If you are sick of oppressive religious systems, but are not willing to let go of faith altogether, this podcast is for you. In this show, we hear from inspirational people tackling real issues of faith that actually matter in this world. Welcome to Jesus Never Ran. The church is wrong to argue that the Bible justifies any sort of discrimination, oppression, marginalization of those who are not straight. Well, the reason why you ain't got no black folks in your congregation is because we don't show up to places where we're not welcome, and we know we're not welcome based off the conversations you demand that we don't have because of the questions you insist on us not asking because of the answers you don't want to live. And the idea that the best being in the universe can't come up with a better solution to the problems of the universe than to torture people forever, eternally. You just start thinking, if that's as good as God is, this is a pretty depressing universe. Hey, before we get going, a couple of words from our sponsors. Rise Nutrition. You can find them at Rise Menominee on Facebook. That's Rise with a Z. And they're all about a healthier, happier life. So let their wellness coaches give you the personal support to help you achieve your wellness goals. After all, that is their mission. And here's the thing. Just for Jesus Never Ran listeners, if you go to their Facebook page, you can message them and get a free wellness profile. That's a 20-minute phone conversation, absolutely free for Jesus Never Ran listeners. So check them out today. Also, Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. They will deliver anything you need right to your door. And don't forget that Thursday is buy one, get one for club members if you're in the Eau Claire, Wisconsin area. That's Infinity Beverages at www.infinitybeverages.com. Well, welcome everybody to the Jesus Never Ran podcast. As I promised last week and the last couple of weeks, I am just getting in front of the microphone the day after the election. So today is November 4th, if you're not listening to this on the regular day. I'm just enjoying, hey, here's the thing. It is beautiful. I'm in Wisconsin and it is gorgeous. We are in the beginning of November and the temperature is supposed to be, I think, around 70 degrees, which... Man, if you're from the Midwest like I am, you know that that is crazy amazing. So I'm actually sitting outside because I know that this is going to be short-lived and it's going to be like another week down the road and I'm going to be staring at snow. So forgive any sounds of the great outdoors of Wisconsin because I was not going to sit inside in front of a computer and record anything today. So if I was going to get any work done today, it was going to have to be outside. So... We are here to just talk a little bit about the election, some reaction to the election. And just let me say this, that we're not going to talk politics. That's not my goal. That's not my that's not what I'm good at. That's not where my knowledge base is. So that's that's not really the goal here. I'm not going to endorse anything. I'm not going to tell you who you should have voted for or any of that kind of stuff. That's just it's just it's not what I believe in. My real belief system behind elections and politics is really similar to what it is around faith and religion, that it's much less about who you voted for and much more about how and why you voted for that person. And I'll be the first to tell you that I know some amazing Jesus-loving people in my life that I know 
very personally know them very well, who because of their faith and their convictions voted Republican this year. I also know people who are very, very close to me who are Jesus-loving, wonderful human beings who because of their faith and their convictions decided to vote Democrat this year. So you can look at this through all sorts of lenses and from different sides of the coin. So it's not as relevant to me who you voted for. It's much more relevant to me why you voted for that person. And honestly, that's between that's that's on you. That's not something I need to even know uh, because I trust that you did your best with what you had and that whatever you did, I'm just hopeful that you could leave the polling place or however you voted, that you left there feeling like your conscience was in a good place and that you felt good about what you did and why you did it. Now, again, as I record this, there's there's no final details of even who won. So as I'm sitting here today, we don't know who our next president is going to be. We don't know if it's Donald Trump's going to stay in the office. We don't know if Vice President Biden is going to take over. At this point, that is unknown. I don't even know if we'll know it by the end of this day or the end of this week for that matter. But let me just say this. If your candidate wins, if whoever you were polling for this year, if that candidate wins, not all is going to be well in the world. That doesn't automatically mean that things are going to be wonderful. For the most part, you're going to feel like things are pretty much the same <laughs> because change takes time and the things you're probably hoping for take time. And so we're all going to wake up when we finally do know who won this election. It's not going to feel that much different. And then secondly, if your candidate loses, so if whoever you were pulling for didn't end up winning this year, you know, the world's not going to end. <laughs> Life is not over as you know it. There is so much hope, so much possibility in this world, and that does not hinge on what candidate gets voted in. So just let me bring that little bit of peace to you. I hope that's helpful because this is not the end all be all. There's so much more to this world. There's so much more to hope than a political candidate. But I will say this. We are and continue to be a pretty divided nation. And I can only speak from my short existence on this world. I've voted now in or had the opportunity to vote in seven elections now, and they've always been really divided. And the vast majority of them have been pretty close. But even though our country is divided, I really believe that the divide is a fairly thin line. It seems to me that most people in our nation are somewhere in the middle. So we're moderate, standing in the middle politically, and maybe we lean a little one way or maybe we lean a little bit the other way. But I think most of us land in the middle. But the interesting thing is almost every single time that we have a candidate to vote for, at least in a presidential election, the system, the political system, gives us a far right and a far left candidate. So most times, all of us feel like we're just doing the best with what we have. So the reality is, our political system will not provide the change our country needs until we change our political system. Because what we have isn't going to produce the change that we're hoping for. So it would bring me great joy if before I leave this earth that we see this political system 
get the boost that it needs by <laughs> completely changing it. And that might mean that we need third-party options. That might mean that we need campaign finance reform. So many places we could go with this. But the reality is our political system is not working well for us. And so it needs to be changed. And so I'm hopeful that in the future we'll see that. You know, but that being said, how blessed are we? How lucky are we? How fortunate are we that we live in a country where we have the freedoms that we do, where we can vote? And on a day like today, November 4th, let's make sure that we remember the millions upon millions of people in our world today who do not have that freedom. So they don't have the luxury of trying to vote their conscience. They have things that are handed to them and they have to deal with that. So let's not forget that for a second. Now, as followers of Jesus, I don't think we should ever, and I mean ever, put any hope or faith in this top-down political leadership that we have in our country. Because honestly, no matter who is elected to whatever seat they're elected to, usually it's about power. And the reason why that's a problem, power in itself is not a problem, but the reason that that's a problem in this situation is because heaven on earth, at least what we can see through the life of Jesus, heaven on earth will not come with power, but instead with humility. There is a reason that Jesus didn't focus his attention on supporting political systems. I mean, there was a strong political system in play when Jesus was on this earth, in the place where he was on this earth. But he paid it very little attention. He spoke pretty, <laughs> he spoke pretty overtly into it, but he never looked at it as if we've just got to get the right person in power. We just have to get the right political system in place for this to work out for faith reasons. It was just, I mean, you can't even find a hint of that when you read about Jesus. The reason this is, is because it's honestly just not an effective way to bring grace, love, and mercy to the world. Jesus had a very different way that he shows us and that he showed us and has nothing to do with the political system. And the reason I'm bringing this up in a political conversation is to just to get across the point that this is not where our hope and our faith should lie. Here's what Jesus lays out for us. The first thing that he does and he shows us to do is Jesus poured himself into a small group of people. He had his 12 disciples, but then he had a few of them that he really, really keyed in on even more. And so when I see that and when I hear that and when I read about that, I think, okay, that's how I should be living my life. That's where my focus should be on a small group of people that I can live life with, that I can encourage and I can support and I can be with in this life, just like Jesus did. Secondly, Jesus shows us simply to be a blessing to those who are in front of you at any given moment. Do you ever notice that Jesus is walking around for so much of his life and as people would come to him, then he would talk with them. He would meet their needs. He would heal them. He would do really whatever they were asking him to do. But he didn't go out looking for them. He just responded to them when they came to him. And the fear that I have about this particular thought, about this idea of meeting the needs of those who come in front of us, is that in our culture, we often don't have enough time or space in our life to stop and meet the needs of those in front of us. 
I mean, Jesus stopped at some really interesting times to meet people's needs. He was going to heal one of his friend's mothers, and the woman who had an issue of bleeding came and stopped him. And he stopped, and he addressed her needs before ultimately going and raising this other person from the dead. So Jesus would stop whatever he was doing to meet the needs of those in front of him. And so I think we have to ask ourselves that question. Is that something that we're doing? When we see a need right in front of us, do we stop to address it? I had a weird situation (laughs) earlier this week. I bought a couch. My wife and I, we bought a couch because we're finishing the basement in our house. And I've got this little pickup truck that I haul everything in. And so I load the couch up in the pickup truck. And apparently I'm not good at tying things down, or at least not as good as I thought I was at tying things down. (laughs) Because I tied it down. I was super confident that it was going to be fine. And then I got less than a mile down the road and half of the couch slides out of the back of my truck. Now the couch is fine. Everything's good as far as that goes, but my couch was literally sitting in the middle of a highway. (laughs) I can picture it in my head right now. I hop out of my truck and I look back and there's about 10 cars coming down the highway towards my couch, which is sitting in the middle of the highway. In like no time flat, I just manhandle that stupid couch off of the road to get it to the side of the road. And then I had to try to huff it back into my truck again, which for one single person, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of me, but I'm not the biggest guy you'll ever see in your life. I'm pretty tall and scrawny. So I had to get this thing back in the truck all by myself. And there was a lot of cars that passed me and not a single one stopped to help. I guarantee they saw I needed help or could at least use some help. Nobody stopped to help me. Now, that's fine. You know, I got it done. I wasn't necessarily looking for somebody to stop. But in hindsight, I just thought that was interesting. And I thought about myself and I wonder if I would have stopped to help me. And that's the question I asked myself is not, I didn't feel bad that other people didn't stop. It's fine. You know, I got it to work. But I do have to ask myself the question, am I the type of person that would stop to help somebody with their couch that's in the middle of the road? Because that's what Jesus would have done. That's how Jesus would have responded. If he saw a need, he would stop whatever he was doing to address it. And then finally, and this is probably the most important one, Jesus always, and I mean always, put others' needs in front of his own. So much so that his life on this earth culminated with a death on the cross because of that very thing. When we get into this political talk, and it's so much about what's going to be good for me, what's going to be good for my life, what's going to be good for my business, what's going to be good for my agenda. That's putting yourself in front of others. When the real question we have to ask in every part of our lives, and including politics, is what's going to be best for the least of these? What's going to be best for the other? What's going to be best for my neighbor? Because it's just not all about me. And then how do I live a life that reflects that as well. And I'm telling you, if we do those three things on a regular basis, if we focus our energy on a small group of people in our life and we just pour ourselves into those people, and then if we meet the needs of whoever just happens to be in front of us at any given moment, and then if we live a humble life where we put others in front of ourselves, if we do those three things, our political system is going to matter so little in regards to bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth, to bringing beauty to this earth, to bringing love to this earth, to bringing grace, peace, and forgiveness to this earth. That is where true beauty is going to reside. Now, that doesn't eliminate the reality of the divide that we have in our country and in our world right now. And there is a lot of work 
that needs to be done so that we can be having better conversations around everything, including politics. One of the things I am desperate for in our world is better in-person connections with one another, especially people who believe differently than each of us. So I need in my life great conversations with people who think differently than me. You need that as well because the moment that we surround ourselves with people just like ourselves is the moment when we just bolster our own desires and our own wants and our own needs. And if you look at Jesus again, when he went around and picked out his disciples, he goes around and he handpicks these guys and he handpicks a lot of guys that are very different than him and very different from one another. And I believe he did it on purpose. So it's not helpful to be around a bunch of people that are just like us. It's not helpful at all. Let me give you an example. And this is just how it has unfolded in my life. doesn't mean it's how you have to do it. I wouldn't necessarily even recommend it. But I had a point in my life, this is probably 12 years ago now, when I really felt like there was a group of people, there's a couple of groups of people that I would read about in the Bible that I had no interaction with. So I noticed that Jesus would talk about the least of these, that the Bible would talk about the least of these, orphans, widows, poor people, prisoners. And when I looked around my life, I saw none of those people. And so I quit what I was doing at that time, which was a, being a worship leader at a small mega church, if there is such a thing. <laughs> quit that job, and I did two things. I started a, I guess we'll call it a church or a ministry, that mostly focused on meeting the needs of the homeless and the poor in the community where I live. And I did that for seven years. That didn't completely pay the bills, so I was bivocational. And the other thing that I did is I accepted a position as a prison chaplain. Because I wanted to be around people who lived in the streets, people who were struggling in poverty, people who were the least of these in my community. Because Jesus talks about when we serve those people, we're serving him. And they were two of the most profound experiences I ever had in my life. And they definitely drew me closer to God than any other situation in my life, I would say. After those two things were over and they ended about the same time and it was not easy, it was brutal, it was difficult and how they ended was not easy either because it's not easy doing that kind of work. And the next thing I asked myself was, well, I don't have any widows in my life either. Partially because of the age I am, partially because where would I find them? And I just thought about my own community. I said, well, I know where the widows hang out. They're in retirement homes. And so the next thing I did is I spent a few years as a life enrichment director at a retirement home and spent time caring for, loving, and having fun with a lot of widows and a lot of people who really needed human touch and attention. I couldn't have gotten close to the least of these without actually being with them, right? Reading about the least of these, reading about the prisoners, reading about homeless people, reading about widows. None, I mean, that's helpful, but it's not at the end of the day, really going to give you a sense of who they are and what they stand for. Being with them, that's different. There's still times in my community where I will run into homeless people, and I haven't been in that space for a while now as far as a career. There's still plenty of times when I'm downtown in my community and somebody who's homeless will know me. And that's kind of an incredible feeling to know that I'm connected in some way that way. 
And I still get phone calls from the prisons because of the people that I met there. I'll still get calls, sometimes get letters and things like that from those guys. That's a great, great, great feeling. And I'll still run into family members of some of the widows that I cared for. And there's no greater feeling when you see their thankfulness for how you helped their family member. There's no replacing direct human interaction. So getting back to this political conversation, what we need to do is we need to stop posting things in spaces like social media about politics. And instead of doing that, because all that does is you're just trying to bolster your own ideas. It's not helpful at all. Instead of doing that, get off social media, find somebody who believes different than you and invite them to coffee or invite them to dinner or invite them to lunch or invite them to just go on a walk, whatever you feel comfortable doing. But get in spaces, and not for the sake of trying to convert somebody or trying to get somebody on your side, for the sake of listening and learning why they feel the way that they do. I've had some really interesting conversations with people who think differently than me on issues like abortion or issues like war and violence and guns. And I'm telling you, I've learned some really valuable lessons about my own (laughs) prideful nature, about myself, and about my thoughts. And I've changed on so many things in life because I've allowed myself that space. There was one time when my wife Susie and I, this was right after 9-11 happened, and everybody was scared out of their mind about people who were Muslims. And so we met some Muslims in the park once because their kids started playing with our kids. We just invited them over to dinner. They brought some stuff specific to their culture, and we provided pizza. (laughs) And we had the greatest conversation. It was so life-altering and meaningful because we weren't going to buy into what culture was telling us. We were going to buy into what Jesus was telling us, which is that everybody matters. Everybody's life matters, and we need to get around the table to have meaningful conversations so that we can be better human beings for this world and ultimately bring the change that Jesus calls us to in this world so that's my prayer for you that we'd focus more on the small things the people in our circle the people in front of us and that we'd focus so much on humility and work so hard on getting rid of our pride and then we'd get off of platforms like social media and that we'd spend more time in spaces together with people who think differently than us and I think I think if we do that because that's what Jesus sets up for us. I think if we do those things, I have a feeling that true, lasting change, true, lasting spaces of love, grace, forgiveness, and mercy can actually reside on this earth as they are in heaven. Until next time, keep walking.